Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible in the Gospel of John, right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. This is Pastor Eric J. from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, where we continue to be connected with our Lord, our God, our Savior, Jesus, through his word, his word that is the power of salvation, his word that gives us hope, his word that, as Jesus said, is the truth. Uh, the only truth, the only hope that we have of knowing God, and thank God we can know him through Jesus. I'm joined in studio, as always, by Chip Thompson, Jason Eisenman. Good morning. Gentlemen, we are at the end of the month already. We are. That's a good thing. And we're we're really close to the end of the chapter. Yeah, and then there's only uh, one left. And we're and, really close to the end of the book. And then what are we going to do? I, you know, that's, that is actually a great question. Yeah, actually, you know what we should, uh, why don't we see if we can't get somebody to contact yeah. us through our website, eternalconnectionradio.com. Yeah. And we'd love to, uh, to know what you'd like to hear next. Maybe it's a topic, um, uh, something about Christianity, uh, a book of the Bible, uh, I did have a recommendation uh, from someone, uh, the book of James, which which was a great recommendation because it, it's, it's short. short. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't and, I don't know that we want to go right into Genesis after this one. We'll be here for the next ten years. I also asked a friend who listens once in a while where where we should go next, and he said the book of Acts. Hmm. That's a great idea. Yeah, I actually been thinking about maybe doing a sermon series on that this summer. Um, I've been. Mulling that around in my head, but Axis Axis would be a great book. There's just there's a lot there too. So anyway, the point is uh, for you to reach out to us and tell us what you would like to learn about, hear about uh, regarding the Christian faith, the Bible. Uh, go to eternalconnectionradio.com and let us know. We look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, we do have to finish John, and we are in chapter twenty, picking up in verse. 24, although at the end of the last episode, we talked about maybe touching on the pastoral office a little bit because of oh, verse, that's right. verse yep. 22 and 23 here. Uh-huh. Um, so we'll back up to there and see how far we get. Uh, we're not going to get anywhere without prayer. So Chip, pray for us. Okay. Lord, grant us hearts that seek after your will and your ways, as you've revealed to them to us in your word. Help us remove focus from ourselves and refocus on your son, the Lamb of God, who called us in order to save us. Help us to always give glory to our King Jesus, in whose name we pray this morning. Amen. 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 All right. So Jesus is risen from the dead. He has revealed himself to Mary Magdalene, um, and uh, she ran back and told the disciples who had to check out the empty tomb for themselves, still not understanding. Uh, But then on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the evening of Easter, when the disciples were cowering in fear of... uh, the same treatment being done to them that they saw 
being given to their Lord. Jesus comes in and says, peace be with you. And uh, says in the second time, peace be with you in verse 21, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And while he was saying this, as he said it, um, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And while those verses are very powerful, one, and this is going to be, I'm going to derail the show a little, Pastor, I'm sorry. One thing that I thought a lot about the three days that Jesus rose on the third day. Mm-hmm. Is there anywhere in the Bible, you know, that talks about, or does he elaborate on those three days for him? Uh, the only place we get that is in one of Peter's epistles that talks about him going down into hell to proclaim victory uh, to those that uh, were disobedient before. Um, it's a it's a tough passage because that's the only one we have. But uh, essentially, Jesus, the way I like to say it is, Jesus goes down to proclaim victory in hell, so that we can proclaim victory over it. Okay, we we cannot be risen from what he has not been risen from. So it's not just the grave; it's deeper than that. It's that separation from God. So Jesus goes down there to proclaim victory, and now because he has risen literally from hell, it has been. Redeemed, you could say, for those that believe in Jesus. Well, and I think part of that also ties to the fact that in Scripture it talks about how in the last days everyone will knee, bow our knees to Jesus. Yeah, on the last day. On the last day. Yeah, right. The, the last day of judgment, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Right. Yeah, I mean, we're in the last days, the age, right? True. I mean, since Christ rose from the dead, sure. there's nothing stopping him from coming back. But in the meantime, in verse 22 and 23, uh, essentially Jesus is saying, I'm going to continue this work of salvation for everyone that you've witnessed, the apostles, and I'm going to continue it through you. The forgiveness that I've earned on the cross, I'm going to deliver to the world through you. And if you think about those words in verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it certainly sounds like, well, now these apostles just get to decide who's forgiven and who's not. I mean, especially as a Lutheran pastor, I've had a couple instances where people have come up to me and said, "Why why do you get up there and tell the congregation that you forgive their sins? Well, it's because of verses like this. It's certainly not me doing it. It is Christ, right? He breathed on them, Mm -hmm. gave them the Holy Spirit. But we don't just say, I forgive you. What we say is, in the stead of and by the command of Christ, I forgive you your sins. And that's insofar as it's in line with Scripture, right? Could it be said that he forgives you of your sins? Absolutely. He is forgiving you through the public proclamation of absolution through his sent ones. That's what apostle means, is sent one. So the ones that Christ has sent into the world, through their proclamation of the gospel, hearing those words, people are being forgiven by God. 
through his sent ones. Well, and I like how you use the word proclamation because just a minute ago you talked about how Christ went down to hell to mm-hmm. proclaim victory. So in a very similar sense, you're proclaiming that victory of Christ over our sins mm-hmm. when you're pronouncing or proclaiming his forgiveness for those. Yeah, yeah. And and it's not the first time that Jesus has told them this. If you go back to Matthew 18, um, you can read there how in the context of him talking about forgiving one another as Christians, mm-hmm. within the context of the church, Christ tells them essentially the same thing. If you retain sins, they are retained in heaven. If you forgive them, they're forgiven in heaven. So the, the authority to forgive sins that a pastor has doesn't come from himself. It comes from Christ and from his church, which is why, biblically, churches call pastors. Pastors shouldn't just say, I'm the pastor of this church. Right. <laughs> right? A, a congregation calls a pastor, and the way we put it is, the church has the authority of the keys of heaven. It's through the church that Christ forgives sins. But the congregation as a whole doesn't have the authority to exercise that authority over themselves. So they call someone, an overseer, and if you go to 1 Timothy and Titus 1, talks a lot about this, someone to exercise that authority of Christ on behalf of the church. So it is, it is certainly something that no man is worthy of, these apostles, nor me, nor any other pastor, but... It is a call we have and one we can only be faithful to through the Holy Spirit. Now, you can say, because of Jesus' prayer in John 17, right? Jesus said, I'm not just praying for these, but I'm also praying for those that are going to believe through their message, and I want them all to be one. So there is, even though there's a separation or a distinction of responsibility from pastor and, and lay member, we share in the same mission. We share in the same gospel, and that's where... If you go back to Matthew 18, Christ is saying, not just not just the apostles, but you forgive each other. Right. Right? So when two or more are gathered, right? So you you are called to make that proclamation as well. Well, and I think it's important to point out, too, that that isn't to be viewed as some kind of power over someone. Right. That you're, okay, I'm not going to forgive you. That's not what this is about. This is, you know, um, we we tend to uh, take things the wrong way yeah. and yeah. and use them, or I, I guess more appropriately, abuse them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Scripture is very clear on how that whole reconciliation process and forgiveness process works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, just wanted to point that out. Yeah. So um, that brings us to verse 24. Uh, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Meaning what we just read on the first evening of Easter, Easter evening, Jesus appeared to them. Thomas wasn't there. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So right away to me, 24 has a couple of like, and 25, um, kind of glaring, screaming 
um, points. Okay. One being Thomas wasn't there. What what was he doing that was more important? Where was he at? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then second, we really get back to the seeing is believing conversation again. Mm-hmm. And, and with the, tw- with the 12 and that's still today, like it was one of the first things I said early on mm-hmm. how I, I, you know, it is a huge feat to overcome to, and it started right here with the, the 12, right, right after Christ rose. Yeah. You know, everybody, naturally as a human wants to see to believe yeah um, in this case he wants to touch as well yeah far more than just see right um to answer your first question we don't know where thomas was um i doubt it's because he thought there were more important things to do um than than be with the other uh the other apostles but we just don't know it's Um, not talked about in any of the anywhere in scripture nope wow okay nope not the important part right yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't tell us. Um, I think the the important thing to recognize is the fact that much like the disciples, J- Peter and John, right, they ran to the tomb, and like we're told in Luke, they they thought it was an idle tale when they when all the rest of the apostles were first told that Jesus uh, and the tomb was empty. Um, but Thomas is here having that same reaction they did at first, right? Um, unless I not only see. But touch, I will never believe. Now, you just have to let those last four words sink in. I will never believe. Yeah. I mean, very like narcissistic in a way. Like what he he holds a lot of power to his belief in, you know, without (laughs) Jesus being there to. Yeah. All the rest of the apostles are saying, hey, we've seen him. And he's saying, I haven't. I will never believe. That shows you the true condition of of the human heart. As you were pointing out earlier, Jason, we all struggle with this because we're all sinful, because uh, we we just, we cannot believe on our own. Jesus is going to circle back to this and really emphasize it. So eight days later in verse 26, his disciples were inside again, and this time Thomas was with them. Just like before, all the doors were locked, okay? and Jesus came and stood among them in their midst. And then he said the same thing he said the first time, peace be with you. Then <laughs> he turns to Thomas and he says, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. I mean, I don't know that I've read anywhere in the scripture where Jesus follows orders. So, I mean, but that seems very accommodating. (laughs) Yeah. um, Equally accommodating when he showed up to the apostles without Thomas, right? They didn't believe. That's what we talked about. John tells us after they left the tomb, they, they didn't understand. They could not believe without Christ, I am struggling, though, with the fact that he just says, peace be with you. Why? There's so many things that could be said, you know. Mm-hmm. And 
it's such a a calming four words. Yeah, especially if you understand what Jesus means by that. And I think we talked about this a little bit uh, an episode or two ago. Jesus isn't talking about peace as in feeling peaceful, like the emotion. Uh, he's saying the peace of God be the, with you. Be eternal. Yeah, you yeah. you are at peace with God. If you and essentially he's saying if you understood that you wouldn't be in this room with the doors locked. You could have a storm today, right now, a storm in your life, but it, with the peace and assurance of the faith in God, it's 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 nothing in comparison to that eternity. Is what you're saying? Yeah, and it doesn't mean that you're not necessarily going to have fear. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have nervousness. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have anxiety. Those those experiences, but you will not despair in in any of those things, uh, even in the face of death you will have a hope uh, that, that Scripture says transcends understanding. One of the things that I enjoy about reading Martin Luther's writings is quite often he will, he will use the phrase, it's as if Jesus said, and then go mm-hmm. on with, with you know, some what I would call educated, uh, Scripture-based quotes that mm-hmm. he could have said martin luther he didn't say this but i just thought he would say something like it's as if jesus said my little child regardless of anything that's going on in your life that that is important to you at this moment do not despair because i have you forever Mm -hmm. and that's just i don't know that just popped into my head and i thought that might be something that Luther would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that emphasis in "I have you," um, right? I mean, Jesus said that in John ten. Um, no one can take them out of my right. hands, right? And that's really a point that he's making with Thomas, who he made his faith and relationship with Jesus all about what he could and could not see. No different than Mary Magdalene, who thought he was a gardener, right? Right, based off of what she could see. Mm-hmm. Jesus without being asked, shows up and says to Thomas, essentially his very words that he said eight days earlier, when Thomas thought Jesus was dead. And I can't imagine that feeling (laughs) in Thomas's gut because at that moment you realize when I thought he was dead, he was listening to me. He was there eight days ago when the apostles saw him, and I didn't. And now he's he's saying it right back to me. And the fascinating part is we're never told whether actually Thomas puts his hand out to touch or not. Right. But he's, he just oh, says, he, my Lord and my God, based off of one thing only. And well, I don't even think it's based off of seeing Jesus. I think he is brought to faith through the words of Christ that reveal to Thomas, I was there with you, even in your doubt. When you said, I will never believe, thank God, Thomas, you can't, but Christ can. But believe. His word. Mm-hmm. And that's a command, right? Do mm-hmm. not disbelieve. It's almost as if Jesus is casting out unbelief. Yeah. Right? Remember when he Lazarus come, comes out of the tomb and says, right, unbind him. Do not bind him anymore. 
Faith comes through that word of Christ, and that word of Christ brings his presence, and we literally see that. When, like, I like how you put it, and we just talked about that a week ago in Bible study, where you talked about God gives us the faith that he demands of us. Yeah. And that is, that should be the ultimate comfort. Everything, and, and I even thought about this when you were talking about the, the problem uh, somebody had brought up about, well, why are you forgiving our sins? Mm-hmm. And the, the very idea that a lot, of, a lot of the things that we hear in particularly American churches today is all based, that would all be solved if they would just understand the one thing that God gives us. It's God's work. It's mm-hmm. not ours. In all of this, mm-hmm. that would solve so many issues, <laughs> it seems, where we tend to make it all about what we do or what we don't do or what we accept or what we ask Jesus, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, if you, if God grants us the, the wisdom to understand that it's all him, a lot of these issues go away. Yeah, and I think that's a large reason why Christ chooses to use fallible, broken, sinful men right. to bring about his grace and salvation to prove it's not them. Right. As, as Paul found out when he was begging the Lord to, to bring relief from something he was suffering from, what he called a thorn in his side, the Lord just says, no. No, I'm not going to relieve you of that suffering because it's through your weakness that my power is made perfect. It's through the world, as you, my called one, my sent one, seeing the beatings and the suffering for the sake of of the gospel, and yet the gospel keeps proliferating. People are coming to faith. There's no good explanation of why other than that faith is given by the one who demands it through his word, through the message. And he has no problem in, or I should say, no lack of ability to use even the worst that we can throw at each other to his glory. And like to a bring, cross. Like a cross yeah. to bring people salvation. Amen. Yeah. So, in verse 28, Thomas simply says, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Well, the answer to that is what? Well, yes. It's not stated, but... Right? It's a rhetorical question, right? Yeah. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And, you know, we might be reading this as we read on, but outside of the the 12 here... Who else does Jesus reveal himself to after he has risen? Hundreds. Hundreds. Yep, that's, that account is, is given to us. Um, again, compared to how many people he could have, it's a very small number, right? I, there's no doubt that someone had to see to bear witness. He, he had to reveal himself to someone to show us that he was alive. So somebody was going to see this. <laughs> but the way that Christ wants everyone to come to faith outside of those he chose to do this with is through his word. And we have been hammering that since the high priestly prayer because that's what he prayed for, those that will believe in me through their message. 
And people, we don't like it as sinful human beings, but I think one of the main reasons God chooses to come to us through words rather than what we see is because he wants a relationship of love, which involves trust. And truthfully, even if we could see, like Mary Magdalene, we would think he was a gardener or something else. Right. We think that if we, if God, if you meet my demands, I'll believe more. That you presume too much about your own understanding. <laughs> it comes through faith, and that's what Paul says in Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the words of Christ. And this is why Paul can say that. Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And when they are given the gift of faith, then at that point, they can see. Yeah. And that's the amazing thing. Yeah. Because I, to us, to our sinful logic and minds and reason, we, we, don't, we get it the other way around. Yeah, I had a sermon once, I think it was called Open Your Earballs. Mm-hmm. You see with your ears. You don't see with your eyes when it comes to the eternal things. So John is going to capitalize on this in verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs. So visible things, right? Many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So John is looking back not only on the immediate events that have taken place, but on really his whole gospel saying, Everything I've just told you, there's even more. Why did he choose not to write it? Well, he would come to say in just a little bit uh, that even if uh, we, we wrote down everything, the world couldn't contain how much there is to say. But more importantly, he says in verse 31, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John's saying, look, we, we could tell you tons of stuff, but we are telling you the things as those who have walked with him, who witnessed this, who, who failed and stumbled and were in disbelief and have been brought to eternal life. The things we're writing down are written so that you would believe, which means how does faith come? Through words. That's how God chooses to give it. And that by believing, through trusting what you've heard, you will have life in his name. So the purpose of the Bible, I think this is a, at least an important point to say, isn't a history book. It's not a science book. So many people want to judge the Bible by, by some total other set of rules and standards of which the Bible never claims to be. Right. No. Right here. These are written for the purpose of God bringing you to faith, just like he did for Thomas, Mary, the Twelve. We're going to read about other disciples, hundreds of people, through these words. That's why we read our Bible. That's why we should every day. That is where God desires to have a living relationship with us, is through his word. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com 
To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.